Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by the Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Hello and welcome back to another episode here of View from the Bullens. And it is a square pegs round hole episode. And we have Paul Draper and the bobble for this one and myself, Ben Stanley, answering all your questions online. And the talk on everyone's lips is, do Everton have any money whatsoever? Has Farad Mashiri checked out? Who are 777? What the hell is going on? What is life anymore? Can we just have a normal day of Everton? And to be honest, I agree with every single one of them points. Every day, it just seems to be constant negativity. But hopefully the Bobble and Paul can shed some light on their own views of what the hell is actually going on. And Bobble, the the first, obviously, question someone's asked is, more so around Farad Mashiri. Is he still making the decisions? Who is making the decisions? Is he putting in any money? What the hell is Farad Mashiri up to? Well, it's like trying to predict the lottery, isn't it, in reality? Just how tough it is right now with, with the current ownership at Everton. Um, so I'll answer your first question. Is Farad Mashiri still making decisions? Well, yes, he is, because he's still current majority shareholder at Everton. So he is currently still having a say in, 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 in matters at Everton. Um, but on the flip side... Triple Seven is what we're going to call them. They're, they are now heavily involved and obviously not on an official capacity, but they are starting to advise and, and get their, not their feet under the table because that's a little soon, but they are starting to have an open dialogue with members of staff at the football club about what's happening, where things are going, um, plans going plans going forward, plans going ahead, what they're going to do. And, and that has started. Yeah, it has. Um, obviously, until it's ratified by the Premier League, Triple Seven are not able to you know, be officially announced as Everton owners and they're not able to to run the club officially. But in terms of um, 
are they now involved in certain decisions at the football club and, and what is happening? Well, yeah, they are. They're the liaison with Fard Mashiri and the liaison with Everton staff as advisors on on you know what the plans are and what what's going on at the football club. So it's 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 a tough spot right now as as fans, and that's what we all are first and foremost. It's it's a really really tough spot to be in because. You always need leadership at football clubs. And I always think when you have leadership, it kind of steadies the ship and it also, it it, it stems the flow of, of rumours and, and narratives and, and, and stories that are fabricated. And because Everton don't have a leader out there right now who is face on, who is, is leading the charge, so to speak, especially in official capacity, it's it's really really difficult, and then that's where all the the rumours and the conjecture and and the narrative just runs wild, and it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel for the media right now because it's just that, you know Everton are sitting ducks, um, and and we are in a tough spot. Look, we're not going to come on here and and you know I've always said we're not going to come on here and say things we don't know, or we're not going to spin a narrative or lie. We'll just give you the facts. Everton are in a tough spot financially. We said it at the start of the window. Cash flow was a big problem at Everton, so don't expect a good summer transfer-wise. And, and you know, it came home to roost over years of mismanagement and years of poor decisions by Fard Mashiri mainly. Um, and and it came home to roost and cash flow is, is Everton's major problem. That is the issue at the football club. Um, you know, paying the, the debts that they are, paying the loans, you know, isn't the problem. It's the cash flow. It... Loans isn't what kills football clubs. And we've spoke about this on the podcast many times, Ben. Loans isn't what kills football clubs. Debts isn't what kills football clubs. It's cash flow that kills football clubs. If you've got a constant cash flow and a good cash flow, you can keep paying your debts and keep paying your loans. You're okay. The minute the cash flow dries up, you go, you go into arrears, you're in big trouble. You, you don't need to be a businessman or a businesswoman to, to, to understand that. And, and Everton's problem for a, a long time now has been the cash flow. And Everton have been limping and limping and limping. And Fard Mashiri's tap's been turned off, let's just have it right, for obvious reasons through, um, you know, um, the war with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, COVID was obviously a bad time for us as well. And ultimately, his, his tap's been turned off through where his money was coming from. And we all know where it was coming from. So now it leaves Everton in a precarious position. And we've limped and limped and limped to the point where now Fard Mashiri just wants out. He just wants out of the football club. He, he just because obviously he can't continue the, to fund it the way it is. Obviously, we've got um, loans with with multiple companies such as Rights and Media. We've got Lango Rock and, and Bramley Moore. We've got player wages, staff, and, and so on and so on and so on. Um, so it, it's it's it is a tough spot. It's a it's a really really tough spot. And sitting here as fans right now, <clears throat> should we be worried for Everton? Yeah, I think we should because we're humans and I think we should be worried. Um, are we close to going into administration right now? No, we're not close to going into administration. We're not. But, <coughs> excuse me, cash flow is a real problem. It's a huge problem at this club right now. And, you know, the fact that 777 have now pumped in around £20 million into the football club. So you can look at that two ways, and, and I think we, we us three are going to try and talk about it, and we can look at it two ways. From a negative, you can look at it and think, wow, Everton are desperate. They need 20 million just to pay the bills and keep the lights on, so to speak, and cover costs, um, and that's only going to buy us however many weeks, four, five, six weeks, whatever that may be, or eight weeks, I don't know the exact figure. Wow, you know, that, that's a sorry state of affairs. But on the flip side, you've also got to look at it from a positive and it shows triple sevens intentions that they're willing to now start footing the bills before they've even took ownership of the football club officially 
and they're willing to put the money in. So you think, well, fair play to them. It just shows their intentions that they know what they're walking into. And they obviously do know what know what they're walking into because they're already foot and said bills. So they know the score, they know the crack, they know what is happening, they know where the club's at, they know we're hemorrhaging money in certain areas. But Triple Seven believe that they can come into the football club. And I'm, I don't think they believe that they think they can solve it in one swoop or they can solve it tomorrow. But what they believe is that they can stem the flow of the losses and they can manage it better than what it's currently been managed. Now, that's what I keep getting told from people who, with respect, are very close to Triple Seven. They keep telling me, Triple Seven, they're not magicians, but what they do feel is that they can manage the, f- the the cash flow and the losses a lot better than how it's previously been managed by Mishiri and Co. And they believe they can stabilise things. And, and, and I think if they were able to come out and, and explain their plan to the footballing world and to Everton fans more so, I think it may allay some fears and I think it may calm some people down. Because at the moment, like I previously said, it, it's shooting fish in a barrel, isn't it, for the media? And for anyone with a, with a, with their own personal gain or a narrative in the footballing world, just to tear shreds into Everton right now. And it's very easy to do that. And there's so many rumours going around, especially on social media at the moment, that are completely not true. They are not, I mean, they're categorically not true, some of these rumours. Some of the rumours are a disgrace. Let's just have it right. And they're harmful to the football club. And it's not on. But that's what happens when the football club one, maybe can't come out and, and, and say what they want to say for legal reasons. Two, you have an owner in Fard Mashiri that has checked out. We said that, what, a good couple of weeks ago. He's checked out. He's absolutely done with the club. Um, he's got no more money to put in. His tap's been turned off. He's done. And then thirdly, you've got potential owners in Triple Seven, all being well, they will be Everton's new owners, who are illegal reasons, can't come out and probably say what they want to say at the moment. Now, they're saying all the right things in terms of they're going to talk to the shareholders, they're going to talk to the, the fan advisory board, they're going to engage with the fans, they're going to have constant dialogue. In reality, that is textbook stuff. That is classic PR stuff. And they're saying that because if anyone with half a brain was going to take over a football club that's pretty much textbook stuff. You come out and say that straight from the off. It's an easy couple of wins and it doesn't really have any substance because ultimately you need we need we need the proof that they're going to actually do this. Fahd Mishiri said he was going to come out and do all this, didn't he? He did. He said he was going to come out and, and, and talk to the fans and, and you know, in, in some extent, he probably will sit there and think, well, I did. You know, I sat there with the, was it the fab chair? I sat there with, you know, and, and, and I, did, I did speak to the fans. So he probably would think that he's, that he did speak, but ultimately he didn't really, did he? And we all know the faults with, with Fahd Mashiri, but no need to go into that. So I think whilst we're in a tough spot, triple seven, <laughs> they're not our knight in shining armour, let's be honest. And, and but, but I do feel it's very much wait and see with them and let's see what they're planning on doing with Everton. Because... Ultimately, you know, there's a lot of articles where they're going to, where it says they're going to bring a wealth of experience from owning football clubs into Everton. Well, they don't really have a wealth of experience. They don't. They've owned Hertha Berlin for a short time. They've had investment into Standard Liège for a short time. They've had ownership at Vasco da Gama for a short time. They haven't owned football clubs for 10 years. They haven't. So they haven't got a wealth of experience. And I'm not expecting Triple Seven, should it get accepted, to come in and you know, make Everton great again, so to speak. I'm not. But what they've got to do is they've got to put immediate fires out and, and stem the flow of 
how much we're spending each week per month, as, as well as each week and month, and also sort the cash flow issue out because that's the issue. That's the same words that keep getting said to us: cash flow, cash flow. That's the problem. It's not the payments. You know, Lango Rock, they're still building. They're not falling behind on the payments there, but it's the cash flow that's the issue. It's a constant issue with this football club. And I think they've got to come in and they started the procedure in terms of paying bills. You know, the forked whether you think twenty million pounds a lot of money in today's game or not, it's a lot of money, especially for a, a, a consortium or a group or whatever you want to call them that don't actually own Everton at the moment so officially. It's a lot of money to put straight in, and the only way they could do that is the way they've done it. So they put their money where their mouth is for now. And I think you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think you've got to go, okay, fair play. Fard Mashiri's not going to start paying the bills because he's checked out. And Triple Seven want to probably protect their future assets. So they're now paying the bills. So you think, okay, fair play. They're paying the money. Um, and I think everything else that goes with it right now in terms of rumours, um, the noise, we've got to, fans have got to take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. We are in a tough spot. We're in a financial tough spot. You don't need us to come out and say it. But 75% of the stories online are just stories. They're just rumours. So let's just wait and see. Everton are not close to administration. They're not close to having the, the plug pulled. They're not. But the fact remains, I'm going to sit here and, and I, will all, I think we can all agree as a group here, if 777 did fall through, I, I don't know what happens and I, I can't answer that because I don't know. I don't think it will happen and I don't think the club think it's going to happen. Triple seven are very, very confident it's going to go through. But if it did fall through, I, I just don't know what that would mean for Everton. I don't know whether that means MSP would then maybe try and swoop in and get it at a cheaper price. I don't know whether Fad Machine would have to just sell for basically nothing and just relinquish the club to allow someone to come in and stem the flow. I don't know what then the roadmap would be. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is that triple seven are now starting to advise they're starting to get involved on an unofficial capacity and they've pumped money in to, to, to make sure the club have, have got a, a steady cash flow for now and that that should be commend that that should be applauded because they didn't have to do that they didn't they could have let Everton hit the wall they could have not Everton let hit, not let Everton hit the wall but they could have said no deal with it yourself Mr Mashiri we're not taking ownership yet and other consortiums in the past Ben as you know have done that we're interested in buying Everton but we're not putting any money until it's ours and, and they have done that, and and Triple Seven haven't. And I'm not advocating Triple Seven here to be some fantastic group because, like I say, they've got many question marks over them, and they've got a checkered past, and they're going to have to come in and allay a lot of fears from the off. And and but what we've always said here, well, you give the benefit of the doubt because we don't know enough about them. Um, so yeah, I can see why people are nervous, mate. I really, we kind of, I've, I've ranted a little bit there, and I, I you know, let a lot out and told you what I do know. Um. But right now, it is a precarious position. But also, the only thing I would say is for everything that's going on on social media, take a lot of it with a pinch of salt, guys. We, you've got to, because whilst there is a lot of problems financially, some of the stuff that's being tweeted and spoken about is is pure rubbish, mate, and it's unacceptable that it's getting put out there. Yeah, there's obviously a question spoken about the stadium, and I think I'll... I'll have a go at trying to speak about what's going on with the stadium. People have been talking about the cash flow. Why is the stadium hemorrhaging money as much as it is? Ultimately, Everton have run at a loss for a number of years. And Farad Mashiri has always plugged the gap year on year. Didn't have to pay for like Lango Rock. Didn't have to pay for the footings of obviously the stadium, the construction of the stadium. Them type of debts were obviously not involved with the football club at that point. Now, 
the plan was always with the, the stadium is the three hundred million pound that they needed to basically find the gap would be covered by the USM sponsorship. So obviously £30 million a year for, for X amount of years, and that would go directly towards like the naming rights. So let, let's all, you know, let's call a spade a spade, that famous quote. We all know it was probably going to be called the USM Arena. Look, that's probably what it was or going megaphon, to be called, yeah. or the Megaphone yeah. Arena. Farad Mashiri was... <laughs> got to be careful here. Everyone knows that Farad Mashiri is the accountant for obviously the oligarchs of... Uh, or Uzmanov, as he's well known in Russia. And obviously when COVID hit, that obviously impacted Everton financially massively. And then obviously when the, the Russian war with Ukraine hit, obviously Uzmanov got sanctioned and then his money got frozen, taken away. All his companies involved then get stopped. Everton then lose the naming rights. They then lose the USM sponsorship for Finch Farm. And then ultimately they go, oh my God, where are we going to get this investment from? I'm sure he lost his sugar daddy. Exactly. He lost his sugar daddy, in essence. You know, his collateral, shall we say, his bailout clause in Usmanov is now gone because we can't access his money, we can't use his money. So Everton needs to obviously replace that, you know, you get it by selling players because we're not going to get it at Goodison Park because on a match day, revenue is absolutely shocking. I think the likes of Crystal Palace and Brighton earn more than us on a match day. So, Fundamentally, Everton are the first club ever building a whole new stadium to start construction without the full amount of funding in place. Now, taking a step back and looking at it from the outside and looking in, it was clear to see what they were going to do. They were going to allow USM, Usmanov, USM Steel, whatever it is, to come in and help fund the stadium in return to plug, uh, for obviously plugging that gap that's left. That's been withdrawn. Now, Everton cut out the chance to get a loan before... All this at a low interest rate, um, and then that would have completely financially secured the stadium, but they chose to save a few pounds by doing it a bit backhandy, shall we say. You know, Bill Kenwright found his businessman billionaire to fit Bill Kenwright. Father Bashiri is now ultimately gone. I'm hemorrhaging money, I'm making a loss, and ultimately I'm not going to do it for any longer. So he's now got to pay for the stadium, and he's now got to pay for Everton Football Club. So Farad Mashiri, when he when he bought the football club, he was worth what 1.2, 1.5 billion. Farad Mashiri, and he spent in excess of I think eight hundred, nine hundred million with stadium costs, players brought in. I, I I'm not for one second am I saying that Farad Mashiri is going to give seventy five percent of his wealth in funding Everton Football Club because I think you're absolutely mad to say so. It's clearly some, something was going on. David Moyes referred to it in a most recent article when he was speaking about it, when he went for an interview back in 2019 for the powers that were involved in Everton. There's been talks about, is it Sardinia on a yacht with Benitez, Mashiri and mm. somebody else. There was talks about Frank Lampard when he got the job. There was somebody on a Zoom call. Now, for legal reasons, I'm not going to go into it, but, you know, if you Google it, it's all out there, but I'm not getting drawn into any legal battle talking on a podcast. But Everton have ultimately lost that funding, which has probably caused catastrophic financial mess. And like the Bobble said, we are in financial mess. We absolutely are. You know, they're not even hiding the fact that we are because that money from 777 is ultimately allowed the cash flow just to keep the keep it ticking for a few more months or however long it takes. But 
You've got to take a step back here in regards to 777. They're not going to want this club to be relegated into the championship. I just don't think they will. You're not going to invest that much money into a club that you're not serious about. If I'm looking to buy anything, I'm, if I'm going to give such a substantial amount of money up front, I'm going to want some sort of return. They're going to want to remain a Premier League club. They're not going to want to see uh, Everton fall into administration. There may be other, other consortiums and people in the background that are watching Everton very cautiously thinking if they go into administration I can get a cut price deal they're going to get a nine point deduction but I'll be able to bring them back up from the championship uh, and I can basically triple the money because if triple seven get this right if they make it sustainable and allow us to stabilise I spoke to Paul earlier I, I expect any consortium or any investor to basically double or triple the money if they get this right with the stadium coming up. They just need to get to Bramley Moor without my worry is, and I'm not saying this is a fact, this is just my personal opinion, my worry is we end up like Coventry where the stadium is basically, we basically end up leasing the stadium off someone and we get money into the club to keep us afloat that way and that would be an absolute disaster if that happened. That is like last resort for me. Agreed, I think so. Um, It'd be horrendous. You know, you'd lose all your commercial deals. Coventry lost so much on match day revenues because Mike Ashley owned the stadium. It crippled them. It it crippled Coventry and it'd probably cripple Everton, especially putting such a monumental, massive European stadium up. So... That's what I think is happening with the stadium. That's why it's causing us so much cash flow issues. I hope it makes sense. It's not my forte, not my speciality. But Paul, I'm going to bring you in on this. You haven't had a say on 777. Um, You're a bit sceptical, aren't you? You, you? It's a bit like the unknown, isn't it, for some fans? Yeah, I think that's probably the main thing. It's a bit of a, well, what are they like when you read into some of the stuff you see, obviously... A few of the fans of uh, different clubs that they've got investments or owning don't really like them. They protest, you don't see it. Another ones that are sort of saying, but they, they're trying to do this and that behind the scenes and sort of trying to build a, a long term a long term plan for the club, whereas the results may not be the best. <clears throat> what I also see uh, that I think that I like is they are very sort of data based. This is just pure football in terms. They are very data driven. The I think that if we end up, if the deal ends up going through, we can sort of join that kind of network that they've got with um, with data analysis that is regarded one of the best in the game by obviously all them people that do all the data and the stats. Bottom line of the story is it can't be any, way, any much worse than Farah Mishiri and Bill Kenwright. No matter what they've done, um, Farah Mishiri and Bill Kenwright have absolutely destroyed this football club. Yeah. They've done... Bill Kenwright especially has been here for 20 or 30 around years. They, they, they've got, they're going to be better than that. They've got to be better than them. It's just, it's basically impossible to be worse. They've took a Premier League club to the, I know Twice. you both said, it's not, it's not close to administration. I, that's, in my opinion, that's basically because seven, seven, triple seven are coming in now. And obviously, if as we said, if that deal falls through, then we don't know what what could happen. But they've took a Premier League club when it's at, the Premier League's at its peak when there's so much money involved in the Premier League in terms of sponsorships, transfer deals, television money, revenues, tickets. Every there is so much money in the Premier League to have to take a Premier League club so so close to administration, shall we say? It's criminal. I don't think anybody else in the world could really do that. It's it's something that 
it can never be forgotten and they can never sort of be welcomed again at Goodison Park, as we've been saying for for over a year now, really. But yeah, in terms of triple seven, a bit sceptical in terms of like they're unknown. They haven't been in football that long. Obviously, they are successful businessmen individually. In terms of football, we don't really know. There's not enough. There's not a big enough sample size to go off it. I think they've got good things about them. Obviously, a few worries have they got the money. Well, and obviously, they obviously have, as you and the Bob mentioned on on the podcast, as it's been mentioned in the in the articles. The, the government are fine with it, so it, I think I don't I don't see any reason why it won't go through myself. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And just just need to hope that that they are even just slightly better than, than Bill Kenbright and Farm Shady because then Everton will be completely fine financially. They'll be back to being stable, and as long as then they can sort of not even throw a lot of money at it, but a few players, just a few players, and then stable the ship, and we'll be fine. Mm. They, they have so many easy wins. Oh, they, they, they can come in. And make they an have easy win. so many easy wins if they get this over the line, yeah. and I mean so many easy wins. Just talking about experience. When people say, you know, you know, they're going to bring expertise to, to Everton. Look, two years ago their portfolio of football clubs only amounted to 7.5% in Sevilla, Seville, in Spain. That was it. So they don't have a lot of experience in football. They don't have a lot of experience. They really, really don't. And now they've got taught, you know, shares or ownership in Vasco da Gama, Standard Liège, Hertha Berlin. Is it Red Star Belgrade, Seville? Now they've, now they've got a, a portfolio. Is it Red Star Belgrade? No. Red Star Paris. Red Star Paris. Now, now they've got a, a portfolio of, of clubs. So they don't have a vast amount of experience. Like, so only two years ago, they only had 7.5% in Seville and that was it. But they've got so many easy wins that they could do when they come to Everton. In reality, we're a house. I know it's good. We're Everton are a house right now and our bedroom is on fire. Our kitchen's on fire. The upstairs is on fire. That's what it is. And, and we've got the downstairs and we're all... We're all Taking, and we're sitting on the chairs. Yeah, and, and, and we're all sitting in the lounge, basically, and the rest of the house is on fire. But it, you can sort it, and it's not hard to sort. I'm not a businessman. I'm, I don't have the expertise to do it. I don't. But if you're an experienced businessman, you can sort this. And that's what they believe. They believe they can sort this. So good for them. If they believe they can sort it, and they believe they can look at the football club, which they will have, they'll have done their due diligence. They're not thick people. They're not uneducated people. They would have done their due diligence and thought, well, Everton are losing this amount of money. We've looked at their books. They're doing this, 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 and that, and that, and that, and that. Well, 
we can stem the flow there. We can sort some cash flow there. They've, they've clearly done their due diligence on the football club. They have. And like I say, I am not saying for one moment, triple seven is whatever to need. And I'm not saying they're going to be great owners because I don't know. And nobody knows in reality. It's just guesswork because they've only been in football for two, what, two and a half years or, or started to real make waves in the football world in two years. It's not enough time. It's not. And, and some clubs don't like them. Other clubs' fans think they're okay. Like, it depends who you speak to. It really, really does. But what I mean is they can come into Everton. They've already got an easy win. Their easy win is right now, simply. Before you even think about getting rid of someone, their first win is we're footing the bills before we've even taken ownership. That's a big win. In reality, that's a big win. So fair play to them there, right? Another big win, straight away with the fans, is remove that person straight away. Even whether he's going or not. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Even if he's going or not of his own will, yeah, or illness or whatever you want to say, what an easy win that is to probably get 95% of the fan base to, to stand up and go, these mean business here. They're not messing around. And to also at the same time bring a positive mood to the fan base, to that 95%. And I, I always, I've always believed this and I've said since we were in the relegation battle last season, to improve performances on the pitch just because you sort of got a cloud on top of the club and that cloud suddenly mm -hmm. goes comparable, although not on the same scale to when Mike Ashley left Newcastle. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. And like I say, there are some very easy wins, not just with, by removing people and, and making out that you've been footing the bills you know, early on because you have. There's so many commercial wins that they could do. So many commercial wins. And I'm not an expert on it. I'm not. But these guys are, or claim to be, and let's be fair, when you've got, what is it, £12 billion worth of assets, you're not, you're not thick businessmen, you're not uneducated, you've clearly got something about you, clearly, and you clearly know how to run some sort of a business. Yes, they've got a lot of question marks. Yes, you know, there's, there's a few claims in, in the US about, you know, they're going to court over a few things about racketeering and things like that. Again, we don't know enough, and the only people that do know that are triple seven. And probably Fabi Shiri to an extent, if he's gone, if he's done his due diligence on him. Probably hasn't. I don't think we can trust anything he says anymore, but you get my point. We don't know enough. <laughs> so whilst we don't know enough, I think it, not just, I, th I think you have, we have to be careful. You know, at the moment, if Triple Seven said it's not for us, you know, we're not going to start paying your bills. We're worse off. We're worse off without them. Put it that way, we are worse off. So before we all start hammering them, if they weren't footing our bills now and saying, right, we'll take it on, don't worry, we've got it covered. Excuse my language. We'd be in the shit. We would be in the shit. But the fact that they are footing the bills, they are open to taking it, they're passing all the remits so far, they've got obviously the Premier League regulations to, to get through and, and things like that. But the fact that they are now covering, in reality, Fard Mashiri's arse by paying the bills, it should be go. It should be fair play to them. Yeah, fair play. They're putting their money where it's mouth is for now. They are. Don't get me wrong, if it falls through, I, I don't know where that leaves us. Like I said, I don't know, mate, and I don't know, guys. And I don't yeah. think anybody knows right now, because yeah. I think at the moment, it just that's a scary thought. And I don't think anybody knows, because 777 are uh, adamant, they're so sure there's nothing to worry about, that they'll get through it and it's, it'll be in. And they will then stem the flow, probably consolidate loans, probably pay off one or two loans. Mashir will be long gone into the sunset. It, you you won't see all being well. Bill Kemrot again at Everton Football Club, and then Triple Seven. It's a new dawn, in it. It's then a new yeah. dawn, and hopefully they can then stem the flow, sort the cash flow out, and hopefully we can kind of get a bit more rigid and a bit more stability at the football club. That's the aim. 
Yeah, I, ultimately, I think you talk about small wins. I think that's exactly what they need to come and do. There's a section, well, you know, a portion of the fan base who are unsure, seven, 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 what their intentions are of Everton Football Club, what the long-term plan is, what the short-term plan is. But ultimately, if they come into Everton Football Club, they remove the members of the board that need to be removed. You know, Farah Mashiri's on the board at the moment, for God's sake. You get Bill Kenwright, the chairman. Start again a clean slate. Bring a whole new board in who are like business-minded to obviously help Everton grow commercially. Obviously, foot the bills short-term to allow us to, to grow a bit of financial relief. Obviously, address the cash flow issues. How can Everton make more money? How can we grow as a business? Because when the when obviously Bramley Moor Docks built, that's when obviously the commercial deals can grow. You've got naming rights. It's going to be a fantastic stadium. It's going to be one of the best in Europe. And I think they're trying to mirror the likes of how Tottenham have done theirs. How it makes it a, a full day experience before, during, and after the game. It's going to be incredible. So just get there. But ultimately, like you quite rightly say, Bobble, they've got to come in and win this fan base over. They've got to come in and start well. Do the little things right. A bit of a tiny bit of communication. Liaise with certain, you know, fan channels. Use the Everton channels for God's sake. Come out and do a bit of a chat of what the plan is. Get the business people in. Show the Everton fan base that you mean business. I completely agree with you that the fact that they are giving us money right now shows a bit of positivity that they are here to try and help Everton. They're not just going to wait for us to go into administration to get Everton on the cheap. But ultimately, the question marks are there. And if that does fall through, then what? I honestly don't know what would happen then if that deal falls through. Like, How long can Everton live through this sustainability? I really don't know. We've got... Loans of obviously rights and media funding for for high interest rates. We've got obviously this MSP loan, um, obviously for the stadium. Ultimately, they just need to start winning the fan base over. And like you said before, the quickest way to do that is to remove all individuals from the board who need to, in my eyes, leave the football club um, for definite. But that's all we can really say on on the seven seven situation. Really, I think we've discussed it, you know, quite in depth. Really, like look. It's it's not our. I can't come on here and say it's going to be amazing. I can't come on here and say it's going to be rubbish and awful because ultimately, no one in the world knows. I, I you only have to look over the park. Liverpool, we're in absolutely financial ruin. Obviously under Hicks and Gillette, and I mean they were hours away from fully fully going under, and John Henry came in. You know a bit unknown, unsure of what's gone on, and look bailed them out for such a low fee and look look what's happened to them and I hate to say it you know I hate, I hate them I hate them with a passion but ultimately business wise they've done well um, I think also if you're someone looking to take over that and I know you said before as, even if it goes if you stabilise the ship and, and it works out of it and you tip up all your money I think you're being quite generous there because really as soon as you build as soon as you finish building that stadium and as long as you're in the Premier League, then you you are already going to be doubling it at a, straight away. Yeah, at, at, a, at a good shot because you've got to be getting at the club at a at a sort of lower price than what it's probably worth. Really. Well, it becomes an asset to the club yeah. then, doesn't it? Yeah, and new stadiums when you can have concerts, shows, um, like all them bikes that do all weird stuff from Red Bull. You can have all sorts <laughs> at all sorts at the ground because I think it happens everywhere. Tottenham, they've got NFL. It happens uh, obviously in Spain and Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, who are looking to do it. That that just sort of multiplies your income in the stadium by 
by 20, by 30, 30 times. So if I wouldn't be surprised either if they can destabilise the ship, build the ground, and so, so they can triple or buy for the money and say, okay, I'll, now I'll flog into someone else. So I, I, I think... I'm not not that I've got a good feeling, but I think the the bar is so low at the moment, and the expectations are so low, and it's and it's so so sort of dull that anything is sort of seen as a positive for me, and anything is just going to be an improvement. Mm, yeah, well, people talk about like obviously the MSP the MSP lot. That's just another private equity investment. You know, a group of investors who are piling money into a club. I think they're linked with all. Uh, Augsburg and in Germany and other clubs like that. So their experience with football is very limited as well. They've got other sports they, too. They? They've, they've got, got other sports, McLaren, McLaren and other global sports, but they they mainly target like sports. But they're very new to like the football world. Like they're not very experienced in the football world. They only wanted a twenty five percent of far up machinery. But ultimately, we all know Machiri's checked out. He has checked out, as the Bible said before. He just wants out. He wants his whole 94.1% of shares covering, wants the ground taken off him. He just doesn't want to put the money in anymore. And look, he owns the club. He's a businessman. He's a billionaire for a reason. And he's checked out going, this is losing me too much money. I haven't got the money to foot the bills at the moment. So someone else take it off my hands. If that's for a cheap deal, it's for a cheap deal. But like you said, Paul, the investors could come in. If they get that ground built, if they stabilise the club and we are a Premier League team, Ultimately, you'd be valuing Everton at one point five to two billion pounds to buy to purchase because you've got that ground, the commercial deals. So, if you've bought Everton for five hundred million, you've you've funded the two hundred and fifty, three hundred million pound gap in the stadium costs. You've There's already over the billion profit. Exactly, straight away. So, it is what it is. But another question that's been asked on Twitter is about Sean Dice Bobble. Yeah. Um, people are talking about what do you make of people wanting Dice sacked. What do you think the financial restraints will be on Sean Dice? Do you think we've got the the money to do it? Do you think we're capable of doing it? Who makes that decision? It's an interesting conversation, isn't it? It is. It's a tough conversation, actually, because who who would make that decision now? And, and, and I'll put that out there to you boys. Who would make that decision right now? I really don't know. Kevin yeah. Thelwell? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He hasn't know. got the financial power. No, no, but I don't know. I mean, the only person I can imagine will have to sort of... The, the, the job stability or the stability to sort of say he stays or he goes would be him and then obviously they'll have to discuss with I'd, I'd imagine triple seven as to is it financial financially doable to get rid of the manager or do you want him out but for yeah, the, it wouldn't be a cheap it wouldn't be a cheap removal and you know to get rid of him and his staff it wouldn't be it'd be millions and millions um, you know millions and millions it wouldn't be cheap um, so I, I, I don't know Um Look, Triple Seven are going to have a big say. Let's have it right because it's their future asset as it stands. It's their future asset. So, if you think that they're not going to, you know, say losses, say they kept coming, obviously, whilst they can't make an official decision, they'd probably advise, wouldn't they? You know, that's fair to say. Um, you know, again, this is all speculation and all looking, you know, way into the future, so to speak. Um, so that they'd probably say, look, you know, our future asset until we get in control of it, it is we, we need to try and make sure we're a Premier League team. So, you know, can you orchestrate the, the removal of the manager and these coaching staff and we'll foot the bill? You know, it'd be something like that, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. And they would then have their say unofficially again as an advisory board or as an advisory people to the club who they want. Um, and, and again, it's all open, in, all open to interpretation, isn't it? And this is what I was saying earlier on this channel, on the podcast when you don't have a known leader, because in reality there is no leader at the moment, 
officially because Vlad Mishiri's checked out and Triple Seven aren't uh, legal owners yet. It's all it's all open for interpretation. You sit in ducks, um, and 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 let's have it right. There are there are members of staff at Everton who are working in roles that are not not theirs. They're interim basis, um, you know, and and they're working hard. You know, let's just have it right. Not again. I'm not coming here to defend people or, or um, you know, out people, but. It, it's a tough spot as an Everton member of staff right now. It is. It's a tough spot. You're rudderless, you're leaderless, you, you don't have... You, you're waiting, you're sitting ducks, you're waiting for the ownership to change hands. And in the meantime, you don't really have anywhere to turn. And it, it, it's difficult. Uh, it is difficult. Imagine being in a normal business like that. It's difficult. Um, it's, it's Do you want really, Dice sacked? Do I want Dice sacked right now? No. Not right now. Because... I think you. I think he deserves a little bit more time. That's my, I'm not saying it's good right now, and I, th- and I think he's in a tough spot. I think he needs to start getting some results. I do, and I think he needs to start. I think these next three games: Brentford, Luton, and Bournemouth. I think these are the three that he needs to get. In my opinion, six points minimum. I, ideally, I'd love seven, but I think if he got six, I think if he's won his two home games. I think it'd buy him time and obviously stem the flow of criticism. But don't get me wrong, the criticism right now that is being levelled at him, some of it is fair. He's got to be better. He's got to be better. He's got to do more. And and, and it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because we always come on here and say, you know, the failing business and people at the top, and it then, you know, it, it falls, it rolls downhill and it rolls onto the football pitch and then the team fail. But you've got to separate the business to the footballing side of things. You've got to separate the two. You have to. You don't have a choice in football. And and with all just I've worked in football, you've got to separate the two. One's the business and one is the football side. You've got to separate them. The business is failing, we know that, and it's currently going through probably one of its biggest changes ever in terms of ownership, ever, because of the, the, the state it's in. But that then doesn't give a free pass to the footballing staff to allow results to fail. That that's that you, you can't have a free pass. You can't. Because if Sean Deitch and the players and the coaches staff could get a grip and start getting some results on the board. Nobody can tell me that it wouldn't calm nerves. It does calm nerves. Results calm things down. They just do. They they do. Absolutely, they do. They stop panic. There's a reason there's a huge amount of panic because if Everton... Look, we've, had, we've, come, we've come to the back of two horrendous years of relegation fights. We had to start the season reasonably well. If we were on seven or eight points right now, you wouldn't be talking about relegation. You wouldn't. We wouldn't be. But because we've got one point from 15, it compounds everything. It compounds the business side of it. And then it compounds the on the field side of it as well. So Sean Dyche has got to get a grip in reality. He has to. And he has to do what he did at Burnley and make us hard to beat. He is a negative manager at times. And he, he, he does sit on like substitutions too long. He is quite rigid. But you know what? We're not hard to beat right now. And that's what he was at Burnley. He was a tough nut to crack. We're not. Because one point in 15 suggests we're not. Two wins in 15 suggests we're not. Six defeats out of our last seven home games suggests we're not. Was it seven home goals since February? It suggests that we're not hard to beat, Sean Deutsch. So whatever you're trying to do, it isn't working, mate. So you've got to move it. You've got to do something to stem the flow and start getting some points on the board. And that's what he's got to do. 
But again, you've got to separate the business from the playing side. Just because the business is failing, we have an owner that's checked out and we have triple seven going through procedure now to take over the football club. Just because of that of uncertainty there, it doesn't give you a free pass, Sean Deutsch and the players. It doesn't give any of them a free pass. Because ultimately, you've got to separate the two businesses. And I know it's hard. And I know it's really hard to do that. But unfortunately, it's football. You've got to separate the two. Sean Deutsch has no effect on what's going on with the business side of things. He doesn't. And, and the players have no, no, no interest in the business. As long as they're getting paid, they don't care. And why should they? So don't use it as an excuse because it's not an excuse. It's not. David Moyes was very good at it. And, and again, I said it on the last podcast and I hate sometimes to use him as an example. But when there was uncertainty with, with Moyes in charge, he'd shut the door and shut the noise out. And the team would go and get results whilst the business side of it sorts itself out. And they've got to do that. They've got to start doing it immediately because the longer the results go on, we've lost, lost, lost and barely picking up any points. Like I previously said, Sean Dyche isn't the major problem at Everton. He's not. There's, there's, as we all know, there's many other problems at Everton. But if you keep failing to get results, unfortunately, you will become a major problem. And then once he becomes a major problem, we then have a decision to make, whether that's Fahd Mashiri trying to save his asset right now, bearing in mind he's got no money. So he'd then obviously talk to Triple Seven, wouldn't he? And they would then have to make a decision to save their future asset. So he, he, he's got to stop being a major problem and he's got to start getting results, mate. And ultimately, Brentford, Luton and Bournemouth with a fully fit squad, there is now, again, zero excuses. Stop using... When he does his press conferences, and I know you pair are big fans of him and that's absolutely fine, but he's got to stop coming out in press conferences and saying things like, well, there's been major problems at the football club for a number of years. That's not That, that doesn't excuse you. That doesn't give you a free pass. It doesn't. Yeah, and we're, and we're openly saying as fans, with all due respect, some of the other managers have been shit. That doesn't give you a free pass then, does it, mate? It doesn't. Get a grip. Start getting points on the board. And then point fingers at the business and say, well, we're doing our part. We're holding up our end of the bargain. You know, and, and, and I've got us to 14th and I now want players, but they're not giving me players. You know what? We'd all go, Sean Dyche, yeah, absolutely. He's got every right to have a go here. But whilst he's not getting results, he's not doing himself any favours, mate. So in my opinion, going back to your original question, do I want him sacked? Not right now, no. But I do think these three games are really, really big for his future. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Shoes on the other foot. There's a reason why there's been eight or nine managers in eight and nine years. Because there's something fundamentally wrong. We could get Pep Guardiola with Sean Dice being sacked and it would still fail. I don't. You could go and get the best manager in the world, and it would still fail because there's something fundamentally wrong with Everton's, you know, their ability just to down tools, the mentality, the club itself is in absolute ruins, and there's something, something somewhere seriously wrong. And I, I genuinely believe we could go and get Guardiola, you know, Klopp, anyone, and it would fail. Whoever comes in, it, it would, would fail. fail, and it would, but not this bad. No. Not one point out of fifteen. I, 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 I think it would just fail. We'd fail and fail and fail. And look, we all like literally applauded Carlo Ancelotti for playing the exact same way. The low block football can be won however way you want to win it. And I do agree. We do need more from Sean Dice. I completely agree. But people going, the football's rubbish. This and that. Yeah, it is, because we the midfielders can't pass a ball five yards. Sean Dyche can't say to the midfielders, I want you to pass left, left, right, and centre. They can't. But we've had 11 big chances missed. 
the, the top out of any Premier League club, that should be 11 goals. You know, a big chance is anything over, I think it's 0.75 XG. So they, these are chances where you should be scoring. Sean Dice can't put himself up front. He cannot put the ball in the back of the net. So the fact that we've created so many chances suggests to me that we could be sat on this podcast now and no one would be saying, Ben, you're a madman if we were sat here on seven or nine points. You know, we'd beat Fulham, we'd beat Wolves, and we'd either beat or draw with Sheffield. No one right in the right mind to say, you're talking out your arse, Ben. We should, we should be on one point because we could quite easily have been on seven. And we probably should have been on seven. And I feel... Sean Dyche needs to do more. I agree. The Arsenal game and the Villa game were completely unacceptable. The players just went down tools. And the Arsenal game... I felt for the first time that the players were just starting to become how they've been over the however many years at Everton, where they just started to go, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to bother today. The effort's not there. So I get everyone's points. I understand it because everyone's frustrated. And if we were sat here on 15 points in the football, been absolutely shambolic. No one would be mentioning no one the style no of play. One cares. Yeah, no agree. one cares about the style of play. People ultimately only care about points on the board. Mm, agreed. So... They need to find a way to get points, but I, I completely agree. If the next three games are massive, you know, the Brentford one, okay, if you lose that, you lose to Brentford. The two home games are absolutely enormous. Like, in that Luton game is, they cannot afford not to get three points in that game. Sean Dice has to find a way to start winning home games, make Goodison Park a fortress again, give something for the Everton fans to feed off. And, Look, I like him because I see the key chances. I see the data behind it compared to the likes of Frank Lampard. Where was the outcry for Frank Lampard? It was never this bad because the football under Frank Lampard was so much worse than it it is now. We weren't even creating chances. And for however many months and months and months, give him a chance, he gets us, he gets us, he gets... But because people think Sean Dyche is a dinosaur, it just... It's hard because he plays the way like Carlo Ancelotti played exactly the same low block, and he predominantly played a back five with a Wobi right wing back, and then nicked the goal and sat back in again, and then broke. That's how Carlo Ancelotti played, and his home form, you know, under Ancelotti was pathetic as well. I remember getting beat by Fulham at home, Sheffield United at home. I think we could have won like two of the last however many home games. You would have been like the top seven or top six. But Deutsch's record but, is poor. Yeah, and no, it's poor. ultimately to it, counter it, that Ancelotti won at Anfield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he well, did. Well, well, it's a concept. So if Sean Dyche wins at Anfield in a few weeks, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. What's your What's your views then, Paul? Obviously, that's my view on it, and I, I'm not right. You know, people who listen to the podcast that you know you've got your opinions, I've got mine. It doesn't make me right or the bubble right or you right, and that's why it is about football. It's, it's healthy to talk. It's healthy to see the shoe on the other foot. But ultimately, for me, if the results don't start coming, pressure is on. I say I'd mostly agree with you. Obviously, we since he got appointed, you and me have been sort of running his fan club on, on, on the shows, but it, he needs to improve. Definitely, definitely needs to improve. I think the Arsenal performance, it was extremely disappointing. I think especially second half. I think the game plan was working fine first half. We were probably, tra- we were probably trying to a counter-attack too quick, maybe just trying to look in behind or better trying to lay it off with one uh, one touch instead of maybe taking a touch and taking time to use, making the runs. I think then second half, as soon as Arsenal stepped stepped it up again, we we didn't have we didn't have no answers for them, and we obviously we didn't create a single chance. I think me and 
me and Bo spoke before the game. I don't know if it was on here or or on the phone. We said it's it's massive that we go one nil up because if we go one nil down, we will not get the ball often because of of how good they are in sort of keeping the ball, moving Zinchenko into the middle, Declan Rice dropping between centre halves. So, so I think Trossard then coming inside. So they are really, really good at, at keeping the ball. But it was extremely disappointing. However, as Ben said, I think the games against the teams that are sort of in and around us or those lesser teams, to, 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 in a, obviously with, with respect, we've, we've been the better team in every single one of them. And until Sheffield United... We didn't have nobody that had the, the ability to finish the chances off. I think if Beto is available for Fulham or Wolves, you're probably sitting now here with six points on the board or if Dominic Carver-Lewin is fit. And I think, although, Paul, you did say you need to separate the business from the football, I think that period of time where the season started and the transfer window closed, they had to, they, they had to be aligned together in terms of the football's now failing because the business has failed to provide the football inside with the necessarily tools to beat them them two or three teams. But yeah, next three games, pff, massive. I'm sure we'll have, a, obviously, the, the Brentford pre-match show sh- soon out mm-hmm. and we'll obviously discuss that. But pff, next three games, they, they really are massive for, for Sean Dyche and his, and his staff and the players too. They are, mate. They are. And I don't want him sat right now. Like I previously said, I don't want him sat because I think we've got enough on our plate as a football sure. club right now and we've got too many fires burning right now. And I, and I do think we need, you know, as, as much stability as we can. But ultimately, it, it is a resort to business, isn't it? And, you know, you're absolutely right, guys, in terms of, you know, Everton should have beat Wolves and we should have beat Fulham. We should have. But we didn't. <laughs> and eventually you have to go, well, we're not winning, are we? Two wins in 15 is not very good. Six home defeats in our last seven is not very good. Seven home goals since February. That's not very good. And that's not me hammering Sean Dyche, but most managers would get you those sort of stats. Bog standard managers, they would. They just would. Is he currently getting the best out of the squad of players? I, I don't think he is. I don't think I don't think anyone can say he is because I think there's a bit more to get out of a few of them. I think there is. Um we don't even talk about the Doncaster performance. I know we beat, but it was an absolute shambles. It was a disgrace of a performance. Beto. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a disgrace of a performance. There wasn't it in reality. Barbetta, who came on a chase. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a disgrace of a game. Yeah. Um, we've had two games against two decent, well, Aston Villa, decent opposition and Arsenal, good opposition. And in reality, we got absolutely battered in both. We didn't lay a glove on either. And then when you look at Sheffield United, Fulham and Wolves, with all due respect, we should be at least matching them. We should be, because in reality, they're not very good. So we should be taking the, you know, giving them a go. So it's not great and it's not pretty right now and it's not. Bearing in mind, when we played Aston Villa, they would come off the back of a bad result as well. You know, they hadn't really settled very well. And in reality, it could have been six or seven that day. And, And that was a disastrous performance. So in the two games he's played against good opposition, and Paul, you're laughing, He's been absolutely smoked in reality. Yeah. Arsenal really absolutely battered. I don't know what the plan was in either game. And then the games against the lesser team, Sheffield United, Wolves and Fulham, we haven't won any of them. Yeah. And when you look at the three home games you've had, Fulham, Wolves and Arsenal, we were nil-nil after an hour in all three and we've gone on to lose yeah. all three. True, that's yeah. another stat where you've got to look at that and think, right, that's now a recurring theme. Why is that? The players. They maybe, need to give more. <laughs> maybe, maybe you think it's, maybe it's the players, but... 
We can't change the players. So the manager's got to come up with a solution. That's what he's paid to do. And, and mm. that's just football, isn't it? And I agree. We can't keep sacking managers. We can't. And that's why I wouldn't sack him for now because I think at the moment we need stability. But there will come a point if it continues where the argument of we can't keep sacking managers, that will fall on, flat on its face because that's no reason to not sack a manager or to not keep a manager. Because if we don't get the results we need in these next three games, it may be two wins in our last 18. Then I don't know where we go from there. I, I don't know, guys, because ultimately then he'd have had Sheffield United, Wolves, Fulham, Bournemouth, Luton, Luton and hasn't found a win. Yeah, he needs to beat Luton he, he, and Bournemouth. He, he needs some results quick. He yeah. does, mate. He needs to beat Luton and Bournemouth and try and get, in my eyes, a point away. Seven points would be fantastic. I, I think that would probably just calm a lot of nerves. Six Ultimately, would calm it. need more from the players, need more from the manager, need more from the top of the club because ultimate failings from the top, as I've said, however long in this podcast, it breeds down. The negativity goes from the very top and comes all the way down. It works its way into the terraces. It works its way into the players. It works its way into the fans. And ultimately, everyone has just had enough. Goodison's flat. Goodison Park is flat at the moment. So someone needs someone needs to grab it by the scruff of the neck, whether that be the manager, whether that be, well, more so the players. The players need to get hold of this this football club by the scruff of the neck and take us on because the fans ultimately have had enough again. Can't do it three years on a run. But anyway, there's a square pegs round hole, a long one for you listeners. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Paul and the Bobber for joining uh, on the square pegs round hole episode. Big thanks to our sponsor, Mike Keir with CD and also Dowell at the Beer Keller. In the meantime, have a great week and up the toffees. Mm-hmm.